Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor and singer who you may have seen at the Green Room 42. It's Sean Patrick Murtaugh, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being had. It is lovely to (laughs) meet you sort of in person after uh, some Twitter correspondence uh, about your your lovely and fun album, The Mario 101, which we will absolutely be talking about. Sounds uh, good. And uh, and all that uh, great stuff. But uh, before we go any further, we have to dive right in. Sean Patrick, you're here to talk about... The 1992 Scarlet Pimpernel concept album. In the darkness, in the danger, into storms that grip the night. This made this made me gay. This this is what like sealed the deal. Like you said oh that. Oh my god! <laughs> Your email. It's great. Every day, you know, sometimes when I email people about being on the podcast, they send back things like, "Oh, it could be a couple different albums. It could be this, it could be that." You were just like, "No, it's the album that made me gay. The Pimpernel <laughs> concept album." So. I'll, I'll add, we'll start at the beginning. How did this come into your life? So, yeah, well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, different musical, but same right. gay feeling. Right. Um, <laughs> same homosexual urge. Um, this concept, this album came so um, in, in the early 90s uh, mm-hmm. is when it started to become more common for people to have um, CD players because they were like the new big thing, which is so weird. And I feel like such a granny uh talking about that now <laughs> the thing is like on spotify and people like look at like you know i just released an album and people were like in part asking are you making a physical cd and then and another part laughing at me for making a physical cd right. i'm like you know what it's memorabilia it's a coaster but at one time for all the children that are listening mm-hmm. uh cds were like the new thing oh yeah um and so i remember my my dad uh, went to Costco and got a stereo because <laughs> back then you could still get everything at Costco. Right. And we had one album. Our first album uh, was the Bodyguard soundtrack. And then right around that time, um, my mother had been adopted by the local gays in community theater. She decided uh, that she wanted to, we were old enough to, you know, reach the counter and, and cook for ourselves. Sure. So she was like, I'm going back to do theater. And the local gays just, I mean, we're from the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So like the, the local gays are everywhere. Um, <laughs> and, and they kidnapped my mother. Um, but, <laughs> but they kind of like caught her up on so many things. And one of the many things that they brought uh, into her life and brought into my life was uh, the concept albums. And mm. the very first one, because there was a few oh, um, yeah. at the time. Uh, but the very first one was this was the Scarlet Pimpernel uh, concept album. It wasn't a show yet. It was just right. an idea. 
And it was so cool because as opposed to now where, you know, somebody slips into your DMs and gives you a raw file of mm-hmm. Julie Benko singing this or that, like, it's so easy to get bootlegs. Right. This was like, this isn't a bootleg, but this was like a concept album. Nobody knows what those are. And so if you, right. if you're smart enough to pick that up at, at Music Warehouse or whatever those, I don't even remember what the stores were called back then. Um, you were pretty cool. So my mom was really cool because the gays made her that way. Uh, and, you know, we were all involved in her going back into theater. Uh, so I'm sure they took one look at me and they were like, Shawnee uh, boy would appreciate. This. <laughs> 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 and I did. And it really started like not to get ahead of myself because we have a, a lot to talk about with this. Um, it really my 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 infatuation, uh, not just with with everything Frank Wildhorn uh, writes, because, you know, he writes a catchy tune. Um, oh, sure. More, more importantly, Linda Edder. Oh, yes. I mean, I was just like, I, d- 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 I, that's, that's a diva. Yeah. Not even fully understanding, but just knowing that, oh, my God. Because she really was, she wasn't completely Broadway. Uh, and you can really hear it in this. And she wasn't completely pop, but she like just was, right there on the edge mm-hmm. and you can hear even in the sound because like frank wildhorn is a pop writer who went oh, to broadway so oh, you think <laughs> <laughs> this, i'll tell you what if you didn't think that before listening to this album listen to this girl <laughs> i know right. album you are i mean even before people it's, bryson it's, joins the mix it is a it was the early nineties in my ears today. <laughs> with I those... mean, my, my first thought going back, because like literally when you sent me the email to say, Hey, mm-hmm. let's, um, what's, what's, what's the album that you, you have in mind. And I literally, this was without a doubt. And then after I sent that email and we like, we confirmed everything. I was like, Oh my God, I haven't listened to this mm. since the nineties. Sure. I haven't listened to this specific album since the nineties. And so it was a nice, trip down memory lane for me and uh you know now that i am a a a little wiser and a little snarkier um (laughs) a little funnier uh, i like to think i literally was listening to some of these tracks and i was like it feels like this album because going back to the pop thing it's like as if celine dion rejected like five of these songs and he's like you know what screw celine dion i'm gonna write a musical and i'm gonna be a broadway icon (laughs) and yeah so if it wasn't for Celine Dion and my made up saying no <laughs> scenario, right. yeah, we wouldn't we would not have Frank Wildhorn, we would not have Linda Edder. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was such a I mean such a, a treat is kind of a weird word, but it was really I was not prepared for the the waft of 90s that like filled my day. It was great. It was yeah. cuz this is a show that I I knew this existed. I mean Frank Wildhorn is pretty much the king of the concept album. Yeah. As if like yeah. he did two for Jekyll and Hyde before it made it to the stage. And then he did one in 2012 after Jekyll and Hyde had opened and closed and been a huge hit. He did another one. So like this guy, this guy loves a concept album. And uh, I grew up with the concept album of Jekyll and Hyde. So I with Linda and, and Colm Wilkinson and knew enough that like how different that like how the album is and versus how the show turned out like i I kind of knew what i was going to get i was going to get knowing scarlet pimpernel it was like okay it's going to be kind of a more 90s poppy version of that score probably uh it's going to be a little more minimalist it'll be you know his one of his concept albums but i was really not prepared 
for the arrangements, the synths, the tone, you know, Chuck Wagner is coming out there. Like he's, he's ready to go with these. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, man, (laughs) it's just like, and that was like, I mean, he was the Broadway heartthrob at the time. Like, I mean, and that tone, that, that baritone with the extension, just like, Oh, just for dreams. Or even when you like the synthesized sound, like just right off the bat that. Mm -hmm. And you hear that. And it's like, the carryover from the late eighties synthesized music into the early nineties. And just that, that like echoing, like drum sound Mm -hmm. that just starts us off um, was just like, Oh my God, like you're, you are transported in time. And it's just like, Oh, this is going to be a very indulgent hour of my life. Isn't it? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gay singer in, in New York City who identifies as a lyric tenor. Like, mm-hmm. I just like my life is indulgent, like as if that's anything different. But like, you go around, you lead with telling people you're a tenor. Like, nobody cares. You're a pretty self-indulgent person. But that is like Frank. Indulgence is the perfect word. Frank Wildhorn lives on indulgent. Like that is. That's the tone he strikes from the jump. And I, I, as much as it doesn't like, if you want me to get dramaturgical about it, I'm not always such a fan, but I do respect, I respect that. I respect that being like, listen, this is what it is. And you're either on board or you're not. It's like, let's go. It's a good formula. Mm -hmm. It's a really good formula because in going through this, I'm just like, oh, there's certain songs that are the same song in uh in Jekyll and Hyde and it's oh, the yeah. same scene it's society and they're catching us up and they're giving us exposition and they're being kind of funny and they're yeah. being kind of snarky to each other and it's just this same little formula and you can hear and even in there's in one of the songs I can't remember which one it was a scent of roses in her hair a silver laugh that plays the air a wave of heat and Marguerite is near you. The, you can hear sympathy and tenderness from Jekyll and Hyde. Sympathy, tenderness, warm as the summer, offer me their embrace. I actually love. When you know Angeloid Weber does it, Stephen Schwartz does it, Sondheim, everybody does mm-hmm. it. In, in in not even just in Broadway, in, in opera, those those themes, those motifs that live on, they're kind of like the signature mm-hmm. of the composer. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. So when I heard stuff, also it leads for like a great mashup. Like I feel like yeah. that is part of what they're doing is like oh yeah, you can do, you know, like the Angeloid Weber mashups or a Frank Wildhorn mashup. All they they make it easy for us to be like here we go. You can take all my shows and do it in 10 minutes. Um, but th- like formulaically, there are a lot of things in this show and it's a completely different story, but it's the same show. Right. And, and um, you know, like there's uh, murder, murder. I say that it goes to show some people we think we know or do they might appear. How right you are, my dear. It's such a shocking thing, but only interesting. Murder, murder, as we scream and bloody murder. 
you have Madame Guillotine. No gaze on our goddess of justice with her shimmering glimmering leg. As she kisses these traitors, she sings the I obviously love the ballads. I am a mm-hmm. I am a lover of any ballad I can listen to. You know, in cabaret, they always say like, you know, no more than one or two ballads a show. And I'm like, give me fifty five <laughs> minutes of metal art, followed by mm-hmm. <laughs> followed by back to before. I just want all the ballads. You can do whatever. Um, so I love the ballads, but like like Madame Guillotine. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. We're supposed to go. No, order. no, no. Go any order you want. <laughs> But like that song is just like it's so it, it really speaks to my musical theater nerd to where it's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, like I'm just I'm giggly at this song. And I'm like, it's fun and it's exciting. And it takes me on this like this little journey. And it's not like it's a you know, it's it's a it's a it's a deep story, but it's it's so much fun. And uh, aside from writing these like pop like songs, he does write some some fun things yeah um and a lot of his work you know like it's and so like stuff like that it's just it's amazing but yeah it is going back to it is all very formulaic and sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel especially in early 90s broadway (laughs) well i was really struck by i mean the one you know frank wildhorn has kind of positioned him is in the the position of sort of being the Salgari of American musical theater. I don't think that's fair necessarily, but he he's much derided. Uh, he's an easy butt of a joke, uh, I think. Um, but what struck me so interestingly, looking at the timeline of this and Jekyll and Hyde and kind of putting them side by side, is that he really is cresting on the post Les Mis wave when he's like, that's yeah. the sound he's going for. But by the time he got these shows fully up, that wave had passed and we were on to something else. And I really like, you really, you hear it a lot in this album. You hear those Les Mis, Miss Saigon influences. Like they are right yeah. in the front. And I think, and I always think to myself, Oh man, if this show had gone right up, it would have been, I mean, it did the, the Broadway production opened, the, I think, 97. It did very well. Like, I don't I don't want to yeah. say, you know, it was not a flop. But style wise, it really is in this it, of its time. And it's such a shame that it couldn't go right on to Broadway when it was in that mode. Like it was this is perfect for right now, but it's going to be six more years because that's the nature of the business by the yeah. time this thing actually gets up. Um, and by then, Linda Edder's doing Jekyll and Hyde all around the world and can't do it. So you have, you know, Pimpernel is is, is a different cast. And it, it so it, it it all kind of doesn't exactly go as planned. And I feel like if his shows had really kind of been able to go when they were conceived, they probably would have been received critically a little bit better. I don't know if they would have lasted, but they would have been like, yeah. oh, this is very contemporary. This is right. Like, this is what's happening right now. Well, I mean, I agree with you that it's it's not fair for the the that part of his reputation that he has because like he really does write a good musical and um you know to to be to be honest I've actually never seen Scarlet Pimpernel oh okay um I've never had the opportunity but I know that it has a wonderful regional life 
-hmm. know that it has, I mean, and we need that. Like, I mean, yes, Broadway is obviously the ultimate goal, but it is such a, and again, like I mentioned earlier, it's reliable. You, you, this is going to be a fun show and people can bet that they're going to have a great time. Are Mm -hmm. they going to think any different of the world or its problems or whatever? Like, well, you know, you're not getting that from most other things on Broadway. Like, uh, so just enjoy it. Like, yeah, it is kind of unfair how, how that, uh, he's been tied with that because it's, he really does write such good stuff. Like I'm, I'm going to go on like a, a a binge after this. Oh yeah. Between this and Jekyll and Hyde and, and it's it's really and really all of Linda Edder's albums mm-hmm. that are just his his music like only love which was in and out uh it's not on this album um but it is that is that is another track that like solidified my homosexuality when i first <laughs> heard that <laughs> i no and i'm not even joking don't sang that for my college auditions mm. and up wow. until five years ago it came out in and out of my book when you need it that frank wildhorn mm-hmm. song and it's sure. like only love uh, you know it's a it's a great song so i th- i feel like i've been more loyal to that song uh than than frank and his shows have because that's a really <laughs> good song and it's a shame it's not on this cast recording he's he's so of it with a specific skill set in a specific time for a specific kind, you know, costume, musical, uh, big emotions, big feelings, big. I mean, everything's dialed up to 11. Um, it yeah. is, it, I was really interested in, I mean, as somebody who heard the Broadway recording first, we've done it on this podcast before. It, the, um, I was really struck by, I'm always struck by with the concept albums, which songs come, which songs go. But also, which songs, more than that, which songs move? And you mentioned Madame Guillotine, which is sort of in the middle of the concept album. Yeah. Uh, but is the opening number of the show on the stage and is a really good opening <laughs> number. And the kind where you listen to this concept album and you kind of go, man, how did you not know that was the opening number of the show? This sounds like an opening number. It really has. Right. Like, it has sense of place. It has sense of time. It has theme. It has all those things. But he really does do this thing on both the Jekyll and Hyde and Pimpernel concept albums where you open with kind of a motif song. Like on Jekyll and Hyde, it's Once Upon a Dream. And then in this, it's Home Again. And then we kind of close with the song You Are My Home to sort yeah. of bring that theme to a conclusion and obviously when they got to the stage they cut home again they left you are my home and it all just went away and once upon a dream is still in Jekyll and Hyde but it takes on a much more supporting kind of piece exactly interesting how he he kind of goes back to that well twice and then once they get it up on this on their feet I'm sure they were like oh never mind Madame Guillotine needs to be the opening we need to like, I think really it's a different way to draw people in mm-hmm. uh for a concept versus on the stage so for the concept album and possibly for a film, 
um, something like home again really kind of draws you in because it's, it's Mm -hmm. slowly bringing you in to where we're at. And it's like, okay, so this is the feel and it's drawing you into the sound because we're just getting the sound when you're at the theater and a show opens with a ballad. And I know I just said, you can give me a ballad anytime and you, you could, but for, for other people, uh, for, for most normal people. <laughs> for plebeians. Yeah, they need, <laughs> they, need, uh, they need something to bring them right mm-hmm. into it. So how are we opening the show? We're slicing heads off. Right. Like we're, we are getting right into it. And you're like, that's a different way to draw you in. Like, oh, wait, I'm going to wait. Why are we slicing heads? Even though we mm-hmm. know, you know, why? Like it, it, it's enough to shock you out of the fact that, you know, that your subway was stuck or the New Jersey transit was delayed. Right. Like all, all these things at the outside world, um, you're right off the bat. You, that this, this train is taken out of the station and it is going express and it is, boom, you are on this ride. So just enjoy. So it's, it's a different, it's a different mm-hmm. it's a feel. So I, I totally get how for this concept album, that was the right thing. And especially for the time, because especially that song, that's the one that I'm like, I could hear Celine Dion singing this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This, this is a song that you would be listening to uh, in, in, on the radio. Like, um, but yeah, the, the other, the other thing with, with the songs that come and go is, um, and when you have Linda Etter as your muse. Yeah. Um, I th- feel like that's one of those things uh, that you have to work against with a show because Marguerite has about five of the same songs. Mm-hmm. And it's all like, I wish you still love me. I wish I knew someday I'll get over you. And so it's the same song and they're all so good. Mm-hmm. They're all so good and it's like girl tell me your problems like it makes me want to get a glass of wine and be like tell me marguerite he did what he doesn't touch you anymore oh my god close the curtain get that moonlight off the bed no way no way Uh, so yeah it's it that's that's something you have to to work against but with a concept album Mm -hmm. this is a rough draft this is a very polished rough draft uh and and uh, so you can you can get that all out. And you can say this is this is the feel I want. And also you're planting the seeds mm-hmm. because you know there is nothing a musical theater nerd loves more. And I say this as one. Uh, so that, again, listeners, I'm 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 I, it is us. I am one of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, then songs that get cut. Mm. Oh yeah, love. I mean, song. especially back then when you had to really be in the know. Yeah, and how to get that song? Like, if you were not adopted by your local gays, you had to be a local gay. Like, you had to be in the know to find those songs. Still, cut songs are very popular, and, and a lot of you know composers now mm-hmm. make a lot of money selling that on on you know sheet oh, music yeah. websites. Sure. Um, uh, but back back then, I mean, they're really just. And I'm not sure. I don't think it was intentional. But there's nothing we love more. So we're we're glad that Marguerite had. Five of yeah, the same five of the songs. same song, right? <laughs> well, and you say this really feels much more, and actually, the original Jekyll and Hyde one does too. That they feel much more like actual concept albums, meaning like this is an idea we have for the show, and it's yeah. going to be like this. And some of these scenes are some of the, and this is much more of a polished thing than I mean, Jekyll and Hyde is really a collection of songs. 
you know, like yeah. it could be in a musical Jekyll and Hyde. They could also be in another musical. You know what I mean? Like it's not, yeah. it's not sort of specific to Jekyll and Hyde. This is like, we've got, you know, scenes like creation of man and they seek him here and Scarlet and the title song, which are, you know, ensemble numbers and Madame Guillotine where you're like, okay, this is a show. But for the rest of it, it's just like, no, this is a love story. So there's other kinds of songs and we're going to have, you know, Chuck Wagner's going to sing some of them. People Bryson's going to sing one of them. Why? I don't know. We got yeah. him for a day. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he's off of, you know, that Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Right. And then he's Aladdin, just like, yeah, he's, he, was... he, he made those a hit. So yeah. So here we go. Not? Uh, yeah. And it, it really is much more like we're doing a Scarlet Pimpernel music here. Here are some songs from it in no yeah. particular order. The ending will feel finale ish. The beginning has a nice opening. But really, it's it's just sort of like these are the songs, guys. Like which ones which ones do you and like you say, there's five versions of the same song for Marguerite. We're probably not going to use all five, but like here they all are. Which ones do we like? Is any of are any of them going to take off and make the decision for us? You know, like one of them is going to be a hit. Great, we'll use that one. It it really has that much more conceptual vibe, which I really really like. That it doesn't feel like you know your superstar Evita concept albums, which are the show. The show's finished. Here it is. Yeah, this is much more like sketches, writers' notes on a. It reminded me a lot of of um. I don't know if you listen to Billy Ricci's uh, album, Little Black Book, which is his one woman show of um, Heidi Fleiss and is an excellent album. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's the same kind of thing as 12 songs or 14 songs, all with different singers. I don't know if the show ever gets put up, if that's the order they'll be in. It has an opening and a finale, but it kind of drifts all over the place and it feels much more conceptual. And I really like listening to that, like being like, oh, this are. Yeah, there's something here. I think there's definitely a show here. Like, let's see what, how do we focus this up? Yeah, and it makes us uh, a part of it because mm-hmm. like, yeah, even it, it, this is something that will never change. Um, the fandom is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And you got to throw us some crumbs and you got to make us part of the process. And so it's, it's, a, it's a shame that concept albums um, aren't as big of a thing. I feel like in, in the early 2000s, when you had like a lot of the composers that were doing, you know, um, like the their their songbook musicals, like you mm-hmm. had uh, Pacific Songs Hall for a New World, doing and, yeah. And just, yeah. yeah, all that. So it's like it's all these really good songs, and we'll just make a story. We'll make a review. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Allen uh, mm-hmm. had a lot of really beautiful songs too, and you just you build that following, um, and it makes us want want them to succeed want them yeah want this show it makes us and it makes us feel like we're a part of it yeah um so and with this i mean it's just it's absolutely brilliant and i just need to because it's been five minutes i love linda edder (laughs) (laughs) well you're not alone i mean that's not a you know (laughs) love linda edder her voice is just oh i mean and especially on this it is and this is me as like uh, as a as a as a as a singing nerd, you know, talking about pedagogy and all that, like it is just a perfect instrument, mm-hmm. and oh, it yeah. really this is this is one of the best examples of Linda, and just her tone, her warmth, the lightness, the ease into the high parts of her voice, and the resonance of the low, and the going from the belt effortlessly and seamlessly into a beautiful head voice. It's just, it's phenomenal. And it's why she is 
an icon beyond her resume. She is an icon that she just like she's it's she stands on her own, and this mm-hmm. is just such a a wonderful um, that I don't think a lot of of uh, musical theater singers um, have had that type of acclaim or that type of success that she has had with mm-hmm. just just the voice. Mm-hmm. The voice alone stands, you know, and she can she will sing with any Philharmonic, any symphony, 54 below. She can sing anywhere and everywhere and people will show up. I have so many of her CDs, so many of her albums, like just, yeah. Okay, we can go back to the album now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the things I think is such a shame of the the original uh, Jekyll and Hyde concept of it being... I don't know if they always intended it to be a two character thing, but there's obviously Jekyll and there's Hyde. And then there's his two different female interests who are supposed to be yeah. two, two sides of the same coin. And in the concept album, they're both Linda Etter. So she gets to do the brassy bring on the men kind of stuff. And then she also does the more tender stuff. And it's a real shame that when they got to put it on stage, like they had to pick and obviously they're going to pick bring on the men. Like there's no way you don't go that way with Linda Etter. She just, she yeah. knocks it out of the park, but it's a shame that in that show, then she didn't get to do a lot of shades. It was really just that brassy part. They, she has the duet, which is nice, but it it really like was just kind of a very one note. It's a great note. She can she can bang it out, but yeah. it didn't. There was not a lot of dynamics to that part for her. And this is really like you say, it's really nice to listen to her be able to go all over the place and do the softer stuff which is where i really like her to be like her in that in that frame of mind um while we have you know but she's also got i mean songs like the riddle where it's it's there's real tension and real like that that was a song that really stood out for me on this album that doesn't stand out for me so much on the broadway version as much as i love terrence mann all day every day and twice on sundays there's something about the version on on this album where I was like, oh, I get this song now. This song seems a little clearer and, and tighter to me in this moment. I really, really enjoy yeah. it. To see how dreaming repairs you, you turn and someone betrays you, betray him first. Now there's is there some so I had to actually you can't find us no you can't I'm not sure you this. I've been I, I, I've yeah. been listening on YouTube yes that's 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 the place you can find it I had this in my in my collection so yeah it's, it, yeah it's one I already had but I yeah. literally was thinking like I hope my mom still has it I have to like <laughs> call her and be like mom don't throw that away <laughs> yeah no YouTube is, is a great rare. resource for these out of print CDs this is a this yeah. is a high quality Angel Records release I mean this is like this is I mean back, if yeah yeah this is this is way back so if anybody's listening that you know this would be a really good re-release <laughs> this would be a good anniversary and maybe yeah. we could get Scarlet Pimpernel 4.0 uh, there you go. on Broadway so another it's, concept album and then we'll just you know we'll go nuts with it exactly uh, so what is the 
so how old were you when you first heard them? You were in your, your te- almost a teenager kind of thing uh, this, or? No, 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 no. Not even? Uh, so if this was 92, then yeah. I was nine. Okay. Oh, very formative yeah. then. I was, uh, I was a baby gay. So um, were you... Were you always kind of a performer like your like your mother or was that something you found kind of in this this phase? Uh, this is something that brought me to it. So mm-hmm. um, my my mom went back to doing to doing theater um, and I was supposed to go uh, audition with her. Um, but then I just was like, I have freaked out and I just I wouldn't go. And she was like, OK, you can stay home. And she went <laughs> and did her audition. Um, but I so then I got involved in like the costume shop and helping with mm. the scenery and all that. Um, <clears throat> and then I think like two years after that is when I did my first show uh, with her. Um, and one of my best friends still to this day, she was actually in that show, the very first show my mom did, which was Oliver. Um, and my friend was one of the the orphans. Um, and we would have been friends a little two more years mm. more than we already are. But, you know, it's it's lifelong at this point. So yes. It doesn't matter. Um, but... Uh, yeah. So then, but uh, so I got involved, and I was always kind of timid because I like things. But as far as you know, <clears throat> being a full-on Broadway nerd, I was so far behind mm-hmm. the curve, and I didn't really know. So I, I had these concept albums, but then I didn't realize, like you know, so when I went to like rehearsal, and the other kids were like listening to Forbidden Broadway, and I was like, oh yeah, well Frank Wildhorn, and like, oh Frank Wildhorn, right? Like, I know. Who are these? Ch- who are these children? <laughs> like, what are they? And and they were like laughing at the the Forbidden Broadway that they were listening to, and like I couldn't, I didn't understand who Cheetah and Rita were, and why mm-hmm. it was so funny, right. or why I'll be thirty years old tomorrow was so hilarious. And so I was like definitely an outcast within this musical theater uh, world. Uh, so I was it, it took me a lot to catch up. And whereas these weren't necessarily the coolest with, you know, people who had their nose in the air mm-hmm. uh, about it, like all the other 11 year olds, um, <laughs> this, these concept albums uh, were my thing. And even the, the, the compilations, like the Andrew Lloyd mm-hmm. Webber compilations, mm-hmm. uh, those albums are like, they, they were my spark notes. So I'm just like yeah. trying to catch up and I love doing theater, but you know, there's only, so much you can do a year while being a child and doing school full time. Right. <laughs> um, and, and all those other things. So um, things like this album really kind of kept me with one foot in the door. Like I know, I know I like something mm-hmm. and I know I don't get what everyone else likes, but I really trust uh, that I'll get there. Um, and Linda Etter really, really was kind of that gateway drug for me. Um, and even when I got into college, actually, like I said, I auditioned with only love, mm-hmm. uh, to get into school. And then I used it to audition for, for shows in school. Um, and that, uh, you know, being an outcast amongst other, other, uh, theater nerds, I don't know if people find that offensive. I find it perfectly fine. So I say it cause I'm talking about myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, being an outcast amongst like, you know, your peers, it's, it's such a weird feeling to where it's like, how are you? I, I didn't understand how these kids grew up with so much Broadway information oh, and yeah. I doing theater right? It's, it had so much to learn. And when I got to college and we were doing, you know, our musical theater programs and we were doing song selections for class and all this, and I was just making all the wrong choices and they were listening to this and, 
at the time, um, I think my freshman year, my freshman year or my sophomore year, uh, Linda Etter's uh, Broadway My Way came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, I have this. I have the CD and I'm going to show people like, look what I got. Right. And I remember one kid looked at me and he goes, oh, Linda Etter. Yeah, I don't really like her vowels. <laughs> I want it to scream. Oh my gosh. I want it to scream. And it's one of those things where I was just like, how am I ever like, did I make the wrong choice? Mm-hmm. Like, should I have should I have gone to the to the music department? But I did go to the music department. I was like, no, I'm sticking with physical theater. Oh it's gosh. it's even it's even crazier. Opera people are way more intense. Oh, I was going to say, people. no, if you want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not, a, not even a little. Yeah. And that's it's just an, like, Oh, that's so infuriating. Yeah. I really it's, like, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. That is such a, I mean, it's a classic story, of course. Like, yeah. but I, I, I've talked about this a bunch of the show. I really hate and hate is a strong word, but I use it with strength. The, tendency that theater education can turn people into caddy critics and because their teachers generally are caddy critics and they absorb that you know they're taught that they don't you know as oscar hammerstein would say you have to be carefully taught and they like it becomes all about you know it's that brand of like 17 year old going "Mm, pitchy it's like guys everybody can we just please you know (laughs) Or even in in, in New York, like as professionals mm-hmm. in line for auditions, and like you know, people have bad days in rooms. Oh yeah, people rooms suck. Voices uh, are tired. We're all working multiple jobs to get this done, and the the pitch police in the hallway, mm-hmm. where it's like we all heard the person go flat, but that one person has to be like and lift their ear up, right? So everyone knows that they know that that right. person's a little under, and it's just like go away like yeah. you can't act i know you can't act you should really not be talking about people's pitch right because <laughs> like those are the people that are going to get the job anyway like let's be yeah. honest yeah um but yeah that that brand of mean and cattiness towards like this is why we can't have nice things and it happens mm-hmm. and just it, every generation has it and it takes different forms based on the resources available so on social media platforms it's yeah. the same thing where a cast is announced and it's like Oh well, it should have been this person, so, like, but it's not. This right. is who the cast is. So, like, let's celebrate this artist and these artists yeah. who are who are working. And my friend, actually, my friend that I mentioned earlier that did the show with my mom, and that's how long I've known her. Mm-hmm. We a long time ago because we moved to New York around the same time, and we were seeing things like, wow, that person booked this, and this person booked that, and huh, and like here we are. What are we doing? And we just like. There's nothing we can do mm-hmm. and there's no judgment we can have. We don't have to like the talent. We got to respect the hustle. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter whether we think this person is a good that, whether it be at Westchester Broadway or Broadway Broadway. Like we, right. it doesn't matter who gets cast and what we think about it. We need to start taking notes mm-hmm. on what is this person doing that is mm-hmm. working and is engaging audiences, producers, directors, to want to work with them again and to really to trust them you got to respect the hustle and i think that's something community-wide we don't do because we're all still trying to prove ourselves to our college professors to our community theater directors who instilled in that that like well 
nothing's going to top our version of Fiddler. And like, there wasn't a single Jewish person in this <laughs> production. <laughs> of course, the Yiddish Fiddler is going to top this. Like, come right. on. Yeah. Come on. And it's like, it's that mindset that it doesn't have to be the best. It has to be in the action of creating a... Okay, I'm from California, so <laughs> if everybody wants to roll their eyes right now, it's putting that energy out there. It's mm-hmm. it's keeping things going. So maybe this isn't great, but you know, it's a brick that helps build the path. And it's just, we are keeping this community, we're keeping the walls up um, and we got to like support it and not do that. If you don't like Linda Edder's vowels, well, first of all, what Just, does that mean? I mean, can we ask honestly? Like, I think the appropriate response to that is, "I'm sorry, what are you like? What does that mean exactly? Explain to me what you don't like I'm about like, her yeah. bowels. Like, exactly. and that's why you don't listen to her. Like, I mean, come on. Come if on. we were having a conversation about who's the greatest singer ever, and you wanted to disqualify her from a list of other great singers because of her vowels, okay, possibly we can have that conversation. But you'd but have how- to. Yeah, but these are the same people that are like uh, they they love vowel modifications for alphabets and they love vowel modifications for this and that. I'm like, yeah. it's the same thing, Mary. It's exactly like, it the is same literally thing. <laughs> the same thing. Right. And it's like, thank you for letting me know that you know about placement and and because that's like, what it is. Yes, please, it's showing please. off that you know that's a thing. You know, exactly. and it's it, and it really comes from this terrible place of insecurity that, like I say, I feel is top down. I feel that like the teachers and the community theater directors are insecure about the fact, possibly, that they're not on Broadway or whatever, and push that like they inflate themselves in front of the students and the younger people who then go, oh, this is how we act. Like this is the person, yeah. and I want to impress them, so I guess that's what we do. And it actually ties back into what you were saying, I think, earlier about Scarlet Pimpernel being big in regional stages. I mean, Broadway is a place where theater is performed, a lot of theaters performed, and the top talent migrates there. But, you know, that's the top of the top of the top. Like, let's let's talk about the fact that there are people everywhere doing theater all the time. <laughs> and, and there would be no Broadway if right, without theater without that system without that sort of move that to it and there are people having wonderful careers all around this great nation of ours there are people who are icons and legends and i'm Mm -hmm. not going to say names because i don't want to get into a twitter fight with this person (laughs) so i'll let you figure it out uh who i'm talking about but there are people who have made careers off of interesting vowel choices and interesting pronunciation and interesting choices in producing sound but you know what it wasn't the the obvious choice, mm-hmm. but it was a stamp. Mm-hmm. It was a one of a kind, and that person is a legend. And it is <laughs> and it is in part because she mm-hmm. just committed. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing was communicating the story, communicating the sensation, even beyond emotion, the sensation of the sound that I want you to hear. And that is the most right sound. And you know what? My, my U isn't perfect. My O isn't this. It, it's not consistent each time. I'm not saying this person, cause I really don't want to right. come after me. I'm just saying in general, like those types of things are things that we study. And then you have to let go because mm-hmm. if you, you walk into a room and you're like, 
oh, I know they can't see my face right now, but if you're you're placing everything how you need to, it's never going to happen. Like what you do in the rehearsal room is not what you do in the audition room. It's not what you do on stage. And sometimes those things are what make you unique. And it like literally for Linda Etter, it is, there's a sensation in the way that she twists her vowels and the way that she, I mean, she's not really a a slider or a scooper, but the way that she anticipates the next note and just Mm kind of gets us there. And it's like, (gasps) you know, it makes us all uh, hold our breath and gasp. Um, it's those things. If there's any younger listeners, do the work on your vowels, do the work on all that stuff. I'm really always go back to basics. Basics will help you solve mm-hmm. any problem, <clears throat> but then make it your own. Yeah. Um, because again, when they say they want to see you in the room, they want to see you on stage. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, and granted, it ha- you have to be able to sustain. Um, you know, you can't, if you, if you don't have, if you're not the right voice type, if you're not the right, that's a, that's a totally different story. But this idea of being perfect because we know what it is in a textbook is just so, man, this, this concept album really is a therapy session. I'm like, well, this is like, but this is important for me. 20 years. I've been waiting 20 years to talk about that guy who said he hated Linda Edder's vowels. Well, but it's indicative. I mean, it's such a problem. Because I really think, like you know, you can think I'm making too much of this, dear listener, if you want to. But I don't think I am. It is, you know, we spend a lot. Like it really, at the heart of it, to me, it kills the the liveness of it. It kills that thing that makes theater completely unique. Like we we rehearse and we rewrite and we perfect and we tweak and then we do it. And it might go right, but it might go wrong. And when it goes wrong, and I put that in you know quotation marks, wonderful things can happen. Exciting things that never happened anywhere else can happen. And I think there's a lot of importance to studying technique to learn how to, con- like, no, you don't hurt yourself. You know, you do the best yeah. voice you can possibly have. But if you name, you know, 10 Broadway performers throughout time, they all are first and foremost, unique personalities. I mean, I think Mandy Patinkin is a perfect example. Love him or hate him, it's Mandy Patinkin. Like, it is. That's yeah. what you're getting. You are getting He'll make it. you cry. Right. He'll make you cry. He'll do a thing. If you listen to him for an hour, one mm-hmm. of the songs is going to bring you to tears. Yeah. And it's... you're just going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. But the way he sings is the way nobody else sings in the world. And so, like, is exactly. that good, bad, or, or, or just Mandy? And you have to you know, you can't sand off all the edges. You have to be what's you on it. And I really like, there's a, there's, there's, there's a little kerfuffle going on on Twitter right now about the other night, Michael R. Jackson went on, on strange loop uh, to yeah. keep the show going. There was some grumpiness about that. Uh, whereas I was sitting at home going, I wish I'd been there for that. that I wish it'd been amazing to yeah. see the composer. And that's to me, that's when, I, cause I, I actually saw what, what Michael, uh, and I'm not saying like I'm on a first name basis. I sure. don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I saw what uh, Michael had, had tweeted and, and put on mm-hmm. Instagram yeah. of r- responding to somebody to where it's just like, what an ignorant comment to make. This is the creator. And this is one of those things um, where people come together. And this is the heart and soul of why we do it is the show must go on. And you have the creator. This is, I mean, Imagine that the electricity went out. Yeah. And everybody took out their 
iPhones mm -hmm. and they shine light, they shone light, oh God, my grandma, uh, onto the stage. <laughs> um, uh, and, and to keep the show going, it's like, it's that emotionally, spiritually, energetically, that is, is the equivalent of what uh, Michael R. Jackson did that, that weekend, because he went on for the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, and such an opportunity to be part of Broadway history. And it's like, again, with this, uh, you know, streaming world and this instant gratification world, you know, people are like, I don't want a refund if I'm not going to see so-and-so. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, like, how lucky Seeing the understudy is so amazing. Seeing all this stuff, but seeing the composer go on. Yeah. This is something 20 years from now, people are going to be referencing, this is something, this is going to be one of those magical nights right. in Broadway history. And people just like, people just miss the point. Yeah. They miss, they don't see the tree through the woods. It's just like, yeah. oh my God, you are, you are a part of history. That is yeah. amazing. Like you want to go pay $500 in 10 years to, for the diamond series to hear him sing the score when you could have, right. when you paid for 49.99 to see it on Broadway. Like right. literally this is, this is something so unique and so special. Um, that yeah, and 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 that, that, again, it's that that fighting on social media to where it's just like, why are we doing this? Yeah, he he's doing he's keeping the show going. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, it's just such a like it's it's those one once in a lifetime moments, and they don't have to be mistakes. They don't have to be errors. They don't have to be the time. I've heard David Loud told a story about uh, on this podcast about conducting Les Mis, and he did a. Uh, an evening performance after a matinee where they'd forgotten to uh, re rewind the turntable and it turned the wrong way, like right at the beginning of the show and caused a huge curve. And they had to shut down for a little bit and then reset, you know, nobody got hurt. So it's a funny story, but like, I'm not talking about that. Like that's fascinating, but like, I, yeah. I'm talking about those moments where somebody goes on who's not supposed to where somebody make, I, I saw it when my wife and I saw how to succeed uh, on Broadway with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. He threw a box into the audience by accident. And had to go get yeah. it. And it's such a great, it's a tiny moment. It's a little thing that happened, but it's that, that only happens in theater that doesn't happen anywhere else. And it's those little, little pieces that remind us we're alive and we're here all together experiencing this, that make it incredibly special. And exactly when educators instill an attitude in their students, it's especially educators I get mad at um, that that there is a perfection we should be striving for and a cookie cutter kind of mentality to it. It just infuriates me to no end because you are squashing talent and you, you are squashing talent. It. And even in, in, on a, on a bigger scale with life, like mm -hmm. how are you're not teaching them to be problem solvers, right. how to, to adapt to things, whether it's on stage or whether it's on life, like, Oh, well, this isn't what I planned for, but mm -hmm. uh, I can make, how do I make this work? And it, it is such a good tool to have in, multiple areas mm -hmm. of life is work hard practice 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 do all of that and not let go in the sense of throw it all away and pay it no mind but let go in the trust that you know what you're doing and you know it will all come out fine if you if you trust the process and part of the process is that and it's a scary thing and my i my voice teacher that i'm with now is she keeps reminding me she goes it's it's all a free fall mm -hmm. and if you're not doing the free fall you're not really doing it you really mm -hmm. need to let go and trust <clears throat> and you might be surprised yeah. on how you 
how yeah what comes where out. does it go and, yeah and whether that's vocal production sound production uh, uh how you get the show going and especially after you know what we've been through in recent history with broadway showing down with all that like we're just trying to keep the show going and this wasn't right. a lack of being prepared this was a we are we are over prepared and everything still went yeah, wrong. Yeah, and it's a catastrophe. Like this is a once in a lifetime kind of catastrophe. And yeah, yeah, and here we are, and we're doing it anyway. We are muddled. Exactly. We are getting it done in a responsible and healthy way. Not that bad yeah. side of let the show must go on, where you sort of like you know do things that could be dangerous for your long term. Yeah, I'm, health. Like, I'm bleeding out. Like right, keep spinning, well, keep, keep thinking. Spinning. Right, yeah, right. Keep, <laughs> keep twirling. Damn it, keep twirling. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's a, it's the sort of healthiest way to respond to that. It's the dream yeah. of a no fly wicked. As I say, like, God, how much would you love to see a no fly wicked? Though those are just, you know, and it's not even for the, it's not even for seeing them lying down on the stage. It's mm -hmm. the moment when they all realize, especially, you know, yes. like being in this world is, you know, certain looks on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. In the same way that you know when people are over it and having different conversations on stage, I don't right. like that. But yeah. when people are so in the show, yeah. and you see them look to react, and it's like that's theater. Yes. That's a connected that's cast. Yeah. Like uh, that's what I want to see. Uh, that's what I really pray for. That you know, not to if if it's a kid's first Broadway experience, please always fly up. Always fly up. Yeah, yeah. But. If it's a bunch of, you know, old queens and like, let's, we are waiting, like just somebody in the back, pull the plug. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's so nice. It's such a, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's the thing it's being alive and it's what we, yeah, it's what we, it's what we come for. I want to make sure uh, before we get too deep that we definitely talk about your album, the Mario 101. People stop and stare. They don't bother me For there's nowhere else on earth That I would rather be Let the time go by I won't care if I Can be here on the street Where you I did um, uh, a show back in 2019, right before everything mm. uh, closed down. I, it was called uh, Mario, exclamation point, a salute <laughs> to the great Lanza. And it was kind of like a, uh, I was having fun with it, with, with you know, his whole body of work. Because one of his biggest films was Caruso, in mm -hmm. which he did a film honoring his hero. Uh, and Mario Lanza is definitely uh, uh one of my biggest heroes musically. Um, and so I, I, I did this show, uh, paying tribute and also giving people a little background as to who Mario is to me. Um, especially because when you say you're going to do a Mario Lanza show, mm -hmm. you have to really make sure that people understand you are not Mario Lanza. I am not a Mario Lanza impersonator. Mm -hmm. I don't sing like that. I never could. And my goal isn't to be like Mario. My, what I keep telling people is Mario Lanza is what I aspire to be. And I mm -hmm. think that is way more important than sounding like him. Mm -hmm. uh, whoever your idol is, the most important thing is to what gets you to work, what gets you to create what you're going to sing. So I did this, this, um, this show and it was getting good press and it was really well received. Uh, and 
then all of a sudden the world shut down and we were two weeks into lockdown and it was right before the Mac awards, which is, uh, mm-hmm. the, the cabaret awards. So like a very small Grammy. Um, but, but you know, still something that sure. I'm very proud of. Um, so it was like the Mac awards over Facebook live. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so they did, they, they did it over Facebook live. I was on the couch with my roommate, uh, in my pajamas, drinking rosé with a few ice cubes in it, don't judge, uh, and eating nachos. And I totally thought that I wasn't going to win. Mm. <clears throat> and then they called my name and I was like, mid-nacho. And I, then I had to like call the person who was on camera holding the phone for me to make my acceptance speech. And it was just like this crazy thing. So I won this award and it was like, great, what do I <laughs> now what do, I do, do now? Do I, put on, <laughs> do I put on my fancy caftan? Like, I don't right. know. And so then I was like, you know what? I need to create again. I need to create. So I did a whole series uh, of living room concerts, like everyone was doing in the pandemic. And uh, because everybody uh, was, you know, making jokes about how they were working from home without wearing pants. And Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't have that option, uh, but I refused to be left out of a fashion statement. So I did uh, a pantsless living room concert series. And so I did like every other week, I'm like doing a, a completely new show, new theme and I was doing cocktail tutorials because everyone mm-hmm. was making cocktails and sourdough yes. bread. Right. Um, and I, I'm gluten intolerant. So I wasn't going to teach you how to make bread. So <laughs> I was doing all these shows and I did all these different shows and like, let Mario go. And then around November, I'm like, Oh crap, his centennial is coming up. And I had, that was one of my goals pre pandemic mm. was to take 2020 to put together a show to really, to, to celebrate that and to, and to kind of bring Mario back. And so I just do what I normally do when I want to be held accountable is I post it on Facebook. Mm. And so I like, I posted on Facebook and I was like, I'm going to sing 100 songs, sing 100 songs by Mario Lanza. And that is something that's going to make me do it. And and I did. And it was a crazy experiment uh, that I don't recommend to anyone. That's a lot of music. It's a lot of music. Lot. Yeah. It's a lot of music and it's a lot of high notes. Um, and so I got through the year. I got through the year and then mm-hmm. I was like, cool. So society is still only half open. Like, what am I going to do? And like, you know, it's a new show every month that I was doing over 12 months. I, I had a different show to get me to the 100. And I didn't really have time with all of these songs to really sit long, but it changed my voice. I went from actually being a lyric baritone to mm. a lyric tenor. Uh, which everyone knew I was the mm-hmm. last to know. I was like holding, I'm like, no, I'm a baritone. I have yeah. chocolate undertones. It's like, that is the most tender <laughs> thing to say in the world. <laughs> so I, I decided like, I've put in so much work. I've put in years of this. And this is such, this is something deep uh, and meaningful to me. Uh, I need to, I need to finish this. I need to, to finish this experiment. Um, and I decided to take from all the songs that I had gone through to get the original show and all the songs that I presented. And I was like, what can I do to say, this is Mario Lanza? Um, because people don't really talk about him and a lot of people don't know who he is. But when I, when I talk to people about Mario Lanza, the amount of responses and the looks on people's faces as they're like transported back to their Nona's kitchen, as they tell me about how their father used to listen to him on Sundays, all these beautiful stories. It's like, we need to we need to keep this man's legacy alive, and so I wanted to put together an album to commemorate the hard work 
in efforts that I did, but also to kind of be like, what is Mario Lanza and what should you know? Because he sang everything from Broadway songs to Neapolitan to opera. He was uh, the original icon of movie musicals. Mm-hmm. Huge deal. He sang Cole Porter. He sang everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the Mario 101, it just so happened that, you know, that 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 following year would be his 101st birthday. So it all kind of fell in place. And I think when there's like the weird little signs and when things randomly fall into place, it means you're doing something right. So the Mario 101 is my introductory course into mm-hmm. everything you need to know, Mario Lanza. Uh, and I, I try to give a little taste of everything uh, in that album. Well, and it's also, yeah. I, I, you may you may hear that, dear listener, and think, oh, gosh, I don't know any of these songs. No, you know these songs. I mean, you know all of them. <laughs> you know all of these songs. You kick off with Street Where You Live. You've got, like you say, Cole Porter, you got Night and Day on there. Yeah, it, it, these are songs you know. There may be some on there you don't, but you you know these tunes. These are not, yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be unfamiliar territory with you. Hard crashing back into the Scarlet Pimpernel, I have to ask, what is your favorite song? Now, I know this might come as a shock uh, to the listeners when I mention uh, my favorite song from this concept album. Um, but I have to say, without a doubt, it is Home Again. And I know it, it's shocking because I only mentioned it 5,000 times, um, but it is the perfect time capsule of a song and really lets you in on the sweet, juicy, and like indulgent nature of this concept album. It is so perfectly Linda Etter. It is her at her best. It is, well, she's always at her best. Um, it is It is so indicative of the, the, the time and the style. Uh, it has pop, which is what Frank Wildhorn really brings to this, uh, but in a way that is right. It is the perfect choice. And I think all the worlds collide and come together uh, in this one song. And you're performing again, right? In in late uh, later this month at uh, yeah January 26th back at the Green the Room Encore CD uh, album release party. Is that what the uh, yeah? The so like I was um, very much like the original Mario uh, show. It was supposed to be a one and done, mm-hmm. and then it just kept coming back. And it was just like I, I was like I like I literally cannot escape Mario Lanza. And so this album release is like it's a album release party. Mm-hmm. You can't have. You can't have two weddings. You can't have two birthdays. Like you get one. You get one. Uh, well, you can have a lot yeah. of weddings. There's just there's a process. right. It's just a different. Yeah, right. You got to go through. <laughs> well, if you want to have but, weddings, you got to have divorces. So. Uh, exactly. So, um, so, uh, so Green Room asked me back, and I was like, I, 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 I would love to. So, um, so yeah. So it's it's good to be back. I I do have some other projects on the horizon just to prove people that I. I do sing do other, other things, things yeah. <laughs> than, than, than Mario Lanza. Um, I always like to tell people, like, you know, it's not just Mario. Like, my first, as a kid, my first first book report was on Tina Turner. So oh, between, yeah. Wow, I mean, that's a yeah, range so right I, there. I mean, yeah. You know, Tina Turner, Linda Etter, Mario Lanza. Mario Lanza, yeah. Um, yeah, while we're telling the kids who to listen to, Beverly Sills. Going back to an earlier Ooh, point there you, you made about, you know, just singing and just, just creating, like, She's very famous for this one quote. Uh, well, she's famous for being amazing. Um, but she has one quote. She goes, I have only liked my singing six times in my life. I've only sang six times that I've liked. Every other time, I was just doing the best I could. Mm. And this is somebody 
who sang at La Scala, who sang at the Met, who sang at Covent yeah. Garden. Like if if this person is saying just make music, just make just music. make music. Yeah. And 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 that's what's behind my album too. Like I'm not Mario Lanza, but he's what inspires me to create and to push my limits to to really see what you can discover. Um so yeah, just just make music and with with little judgment. Mm-hmm. With little judgment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a that's a wonderful wonderful point, and it's amazing that we got there from the Scarlet Pimpernel. But that's a whole other, you know. <laughs> Sean Patrick, this was absolutely wonderful. Where can people oh my find God. you uh, on the internet? Uh, on the internet, uh, everywhere. I, I am Shawnee Boy S F N Y C. That's Shawnee S E A N I E B O Y N Y C. Wait, S F. Oh, you see, I'm a tenor. Uh, it'll be there. Uh, but I have um, <laughs> on all platforms. I am very. Uh, easy to find um i love the attention so please find me <laughs> and interact i yeah I like for like I, I i will support all of your shows i will share you in my stories i think really i am all about the community behind uh this as much as you are because you um we found each other on twitter yeah. and you just started being really supportive and i was like that's really nice <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And when you're like, do you want to do my show? And I'm like, um, I, I'm, I, uh, I am no Liz Calloway, but sure. <laughs> I would be warm if I were there in golden fields and easy Original Cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review the Original Cast on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help other listeners find the show. Go to bit.ly/originalcaststore for Original Cast merchandise like t-shirts, tote bags, and more. Become a patron of the Original Cast at patreon.com/originalcastpod so you can listen to our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. On the socials, we're at Original Cast Pod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Sean Patrick Murtaugh for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Rehearsal.